0: In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josedech, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your penal houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord then Haggai the Lord's messenger gave this message of the Lord to the people i am with you declares the Lord so the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel son of Shealtiel governor of Judah and the spirit of Joshua son of Josedek, the high priest and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty their God on the 24th day of the sixth month. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Hello, good morning. Uh, Let me pray uh, for us as we uh, kick off. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Father, we do pray as we uh, hear your word that you would be uh, growing us uh, to be servants of you. Teach us what we need to be taught. Uh, rebuke us what we need to be rebu- rebuked. Uh, same with correction and training us that we may live lives uh, that are uh, full of service to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now, if you don't know this about me, one of the things I, I love uh, is sport, uh, cricket, uh, footy. Uh, soccer, anything really, I just, I just love it all. I love it so much that I love this time of year because people are playing cricket out on the, on the ovals and so I can slow down as I'm driving past, hoping to catch a bit of the action. I love seeing a wicket, it's, it's, I love it. Like I love cricket that much, I even like state cricket um, and so I'll even go to the MCG with 10 other spectators uh, and watch the Victorian Bush Rangers. it's great, you should come. Um, and while I could watch sport all day long, sadly, there are other things in life that take priority, uh, like my family. Uh, if I'm honest, uh, at the age of my kids, I find it really hard to uh, get right into sport and, and love my family at the same time. I get so engrossed uh, in one or the other that I can't do both well. I feel like I can watch a game and I'm so sucked in that I wouldn't even be aware that World War III has just broken out in my lounge room. And so in love of my family I've I've reduced uh, how much sport I watch uh my family take priority. Uh they come before my love of sport. I think there are many things that vie for our attention and at times we need to really take stock and ask the questions what are the priorities in our life whether in work uh our life at at home and particularly I think we need to take stock sometimes to think about our lives as as Christians. Uh what is prior, what is a priority for us? as people who seek to serve God uh, and his people. Uh, over the next uh, two weeks, we have the privilege of reading the book of, of Haggai together. And it's books like Haggai that I'm really thankful for page numbers because um, it's one of these really tricky books It's really hard to find. So if you don't have it out already, you, w- you will need it. So please do, page 769. Uh, let's have a look there from uh, verse 1. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet uh, Haggai. Now this is kind of, we might find this a bit hard to believe, but this is kind of like a time reference for us. And the big key thing here is King Darius. We're only wondering who is King Darius. Well, King Darius was a king of Persia. And he reigned from 522 to 486 uh, BC, so uh, before Jesus. And that date and that name is really helpful for us because it actually tells us this had happened uh, after the return from exile. Do you remember remember the exile? God had warned his people uh, that if they did not repent from their wicked and evil ways, uh, they would be taken out of the land. The land that God had given his people, they would be taken away from that land uh, and they would be taken to to a foreign land and a foreign king would rule over them. Uh, And God repeatedly warned them, urged them to repent from their evil ways. But they ignored God again and again. They ignored God and they rebelled. And so what God warned, well, that happened. It took place. Uh, They were taken out of the land. The temple was destroyed and and that was done. God used King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of of Babylon. He used uh, Nebuchadnezzar to punish and judge his people. And for God's people, this was devastating. They had been taken out of the land that God had given them, the temple where God dwelt among his people. That was all destroyed. It was gone. And so they would have been thinking, man, what about God's promises? God made these promises. Because you see, 500 years earlier, God had made these promises. He made a covenant with King David. Uh, David had said, I want to build a house for you, God. Uh, And God actually turned it around. He said, no, no, no. How's about I build you a house, but not just any house. This house is going to be amazing. It's going to last uh, forever, and a king will reign on his throne forever. That was the promise. But see, not even 500 years later, they're in exile. They are the temple is destroyed. The people aren't in the land anymore. They are they are devastated. They are in mourning. And so, some of them might have been thinking, Has God abandoned us? Has He abandoned His promises, God? God had said forever, but it's all gone. But you see, exile, uh, the banishment uh, uh, from Israel, it only lasted, well, only 70 years. Uh, God had used Babylon to punish his people, and then God raised up another king, uh, another empire, Persia, uh, to defeat uh, Babylon. And that's where King Cyrus uh, comes, comes into picture. Uh, King Cyrus and, and really the Persians had a really different uh, philosophy is when it comes to uh, ruling other empires and stuff, other nations. They were really happy for people to go back to their own lands and to worship their own gods. Uh, so the way they kind of thought it was, uh, instead of making forcing people to worship their own gods, they made, you go back home, that's fine. You go back to your own places because if you're happy... Your gods will be happy and then you'll pray for us and we'll live long, long lives uh, uh, as, as, as we serve you. Uh, and so we kind of get a picture of that in the book of Ezra. And so anyway, King Cyrus, uh, he uh, tells God's people to go home, uh, go back to Jerusalem, rebuild the temple, continue the way that you have worshipped God in the past. Uh, and so they return. It's amazing. Uh, They're able to move on from the great despair and mourning that they've had in being in exile for for 70 years. And so they they get back to Jerusalem and the city's in a mess. It has been ruined. The temple was decimated. Uh, It is a complete rubble. And they would have been crushed in in seeing this sight. And so in the first couple of years, they, they get straight into action. They, they pull up their sleeves and they start rebuilding the, the foundation of, of the temple. And that is, that is complete. They, they finish the foundation of the temple. But you see then issue after issue comes up and the building works are delayed. Uh, and so King Cyrus, who first said they could go back, he dies and King Darius becomes king. And so as we kind of come to this part in Haggai now the people have been back in the land for about 20 years. They've been back in the land 20 years the foundation is built but there's but there's no building. And so God speaks through the prophet Haggai. Have a look there at verse uh, 2. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Uh, What's going on in Jerusalem? Well, the temple, God's dwelling, well, it, it hasn't been rebuilt. It's, it's in ruins. Sure, the foundation is laid, but there is no house. And the people are saying that the time, it's, not re- it's not ready. It's not, not time to rebuild. But have a look what God says here in verse 4. Uh, is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while this house remains a ruin? You see, God rebukes them here. He says, you're living in these beautiful panelled houses. Now, panels were kind of like this unnecessary extra that you would kind of add to your house. They're kind of like the water feature or the, the perfectly manicured garden or, or the pool in the backyard. They're the kind of features that would feature on the block or better homes and gardens. They're the houses that would have been featured on realestate.com. You see, their houses were stunning. Beautiful, amazing houses. You see, they were living in comfort, and yet God's house was in ruins. They had put their comfort before God. They had failed to prioritize God. They had got their priorities all wrong. They prioritized their comfort while God's house uh, was in squalor. And by their actions, they were saying that they didn't need or want God to dwell among them, that that God wasn't that important to to them or central to their lives. And for them, they had failed to prioritize building the temple, the, the physical place where God dwelt among his people. And for us today, our priority isn't to say rebuild this physical temple, but we too can also uh, misplace our priorities and put our comforts uh, before God. You know, we can do that with the, with the jobs that we choose, the, the standard of living we aspire to or, or live. Uh, it could be the, the ideal income or economic situation we desire. Uh, we might think, once I have sorted these things out, once I'm comfortable in life, then I can prioritize God. But you see, that's what God's rebuke here is. You've put yourselves and your comfort uh, before God. The people in Haggai's time, they had got their priorities all wrong. And so God, he rebukes them. Have a look there at verse 5. He says, give careful thought to your ways. Stop. Stop. He says that again in verse 7, give, give careful thought to your way. Stop and re- reflect on what's happening in your life and, what, and what's happening now. Because you see, this, this exact moment, they're kind of feeling that they're experiencing hardship, that life is hard and, and there's great big struggles. But God explains that they're not experiencing hardship. Instead, they're not finding fulfillment in life. They're not finding satisfaction because they've neglected God. Uh, and focused on themselves instead, have a look at verse six there's this There's this list here that, that shows that uh, You have planted much, but harvested little. you eat but never have enough. you drink but but never have your fuel. You put on clothes but are not warm. you earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Uh, these things that are listed there they're the necessities of of life uh, of food or of drink or of clothing. You see they, they actually have those things. They, they do eat and they, they do drink and, and they have clothes to wear. It's not, they're not hungry, they're not they're not naked, they're not, they're not broke. You see they, they have those things. It's not a time of hardship. You see what is what is actually going on is they they don't have satisfaction. They're, they're not satisfied. You see they, they have the good life, uh, but the good life it, it eludes them. It's it's like having everything you need, but feeling like you still need more. Just like the society we live in. Uh, we are the richest we have ever been. The richest, and yet we still cry poor. Our society just wants more and more. We're not satisfied with a three-bedroom house. We feel like we've got to have the five-bedroom house with, with four bathrooms, three garages, a pool, and Everything. And while the dream house might not, might not be where we try to find satisfaction in life, uh, there are many things in life that can dissatisfy us, whether it be uh, money or results from exams. Uh, it could be our family. It could be our health. It could be our senior minister. There are so many things that can lead us to being dissatisfied in life uh, where we're not satisfied because they don't match our, our idea, our, our ideal, what we, what we would like things to be. And so despite living the good life, we want more. We can't find true satisfaction. And so it is for God's people in Haggai's time. They are in the land. They have these beautiful houses with food on their tables, but they're not satisfied. And so God explains in verse 9 why they are dissatisfied. Have a look there. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. They're not satisfied in life because they've neglected God and they've neglected his house. They've been become so busy with, with their own lives uh, and totally forgot and neglected God. And so God has has punished them through through the natural order of things. Verse verse ten. Have a look. Uh, Therefore, because of the heaven, because of you, the heavens have withdrew their dew, and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock, on all the labor of your hands. God's people had their priorities all wrong. They put themselves and their comfort first uh, before God. They thought they needed to have the right conditions, enough money, uh, the right standard of life before they could uh, do the right thing and build God's house. But God rebukes them. They're sitting pretty. Life is good, because something, uh, but something is missing. God's house is in ruins. And so the Lord says, verse 8, Go up into the mountain and bring down the timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honoured, says the Lord. God says, get back on the job. Just do it. Build the house. You've got the materials. If you need more wood, go up the mountain. Get some more wood. You'll be fine. Build my house. I'll be pleased and I'll be honoured. God rebukes them for getting their priorities wrong and explains why they're dissatisfied in life. You see, how will they respond? In the past, as God has come to them, as he's spoken to them through his word, they have ignored and rejected God. Let's have a look what happens uh, this time. Uh, verse, verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, son of Sheatiel, Joshua, son of Joseph Zadak, The high priest and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. Do you notice that? How good is that? They hear God's word they they obey god's word and they fear the lord that they're in awe of him it's a good the right kind of fear they respond in the right way they hear they obey and they fear it's amazing unlike the past they they have responded in the right way here but but there's more did you notice that uh, now god encourages them in their right response he says that god god says in verse 13 that that i am with you And so, God will be with them. He gives them His Spirit as they go on to complete the task of of rebuilding God's house. He stirs up in them the ability to be able to do this. And so, verse 14, have a look there. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. 24 days later, here they are. They've been, they've been, uh, they've heard God's word. They've been struck to the heart of obeyed and they've started rebuilding. 24 days. What what an amazing turnaround they've done. They had their priorities all wrong. They had put themselves and their comfort first uh, before God. But after the rebuke, they, they get on with the job. They hear God's word and they obey. You see, Haggai 1 teaches us to put our priorities right. You see, we don't need to rebuild the physical temple. Uh, We saw in 1 Peter last term that that Jesus is our cornerstone. We are the living stones being built into a spiritual house. Uh, We are the temple of of God. We offer our lives uh, as acceptable to God. But we do need to get our priorities right. Jesus tells us not to worry about life, not to worry about food or, or drink or clothes. You see, God is the one who provides Instead, he says to seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness. Seeking God's kingdom and His righteousness is our is our priority, not not the things we'd like or the things we need, but living in according to to God's ways. What what is important to to God, so that we may please God in all that we do, so submitting to Him regardless of the cost. Uh, this is most important. See, Jesus says. Uh, to make your first and best effort uh, directed towards God's kingdom, not towards our own personal needs or desires. We are inundated in the uh, consumeristic world that we live in uh, of things that want to suck our time and focus so that we don't take priority in seeking God uh, and his kingdom and righteousness. It could be our health or the health of a loved one. where we get so worried and forget about God and his ultimate control, we, we, we can forget the, the power of the resurrection, uh, which gives us hope and life. Uh, does God come first in these times of, of yearning, in times of, of sickness for our own or others? Do we just pray for physical healing at that time and get angry when it doesn't happen? Or do we pray that not only for that, but that God would heal people spiritually, particularly those people who don't know Jesus? Uh, and if they do, that people may keep their eyes firmly on him through this uh, sickness and, and hardness. You see, has work, uh, study, your your career overtaken your priority of life, in the uh, priority of the Lord in your life Where the gathering of, of God's people uh, only happens a church or your discipleship only happens if nothing else is better on or, or do you need reminding uh, as, as the scriptures do of, of the importance of, of regularly gathering with god's people so that we can remind one another to spur one another on to, to love and good deeds that we may remember that we're living now whilst we wait for the lord jesus to return this is why we gather. See, there are so many things that can take our priority, our focus away from God, uh, where we can knock him off top spot. That could be our health, our career, our studies, our family, our money, our houses, our retirement, our holidays. There, there are so many things. These are good things. Uh, but when they overtake our priority of, of serving God, uh, then that's, that, that's a problem for us. We need to serve God and and his people. And that may look like various different things for for each of us, uh, whether it be to to serve on kids' church, to attend our kids' church team, uh, to be regular in in reading the Bible and praying, speaking to our neighbours about Jesus. There are so many different things that we can do as we uh, put God first. Let me ask, is he your number one priority in life? Uh, In the book of Haggai, God rebuked uh, the Israelites. They had not put God first. But see, once they were once they were rebuked, they repented of their ways and, and they obeyed God. And for us, we, we don't rebuild the temple in that same way. It's been rebuilt through Christ, through his death and resurrection. We are part of this temple. He is our cornerstone. And see, just like Jesus, who willingly went to the cross by putting God's priorities first before his own, We too need to put God first. He is our priority in life, in every area of our life. And so let's work hard at thinking through how we might be able to please God in all of our areas of life uh, and ask God to help us uh, make him that priority, Uh, not only today but all the days of our life. Uh, let's, Let's pray. Father God Almighty, we are so grateful uh, for your loving kindness to us in the Lord Jesus. We are so thankful that he made uh, the saving of us, your people, a number one priority and making us be possible to have a relationship with you. Father, please do give us this wake-up call we need, that we may be able to make uh, serving You, uh, you as our number one priority. Help us reflect on our lives and the areas we need to change most, uh, that we may be able to uh, demonstrate that in the way that we live. May you be pleased by the way we live, and may you be honoured and glorified uh, through our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.